Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lethal Podcast. This week we were joined by Shane Simpson of Calling All Turkeys. Uh, Shane has been on before, you might remember him from the Cali Chronicles episode. But with turkey season coming up, I had to get one of the biggest turkey nuts I know on here to talk a little bit about hunting these spring birds, and we had a really good time chatting about that. We'd like to remind everyone that this podcast is indeed fueled by Hunter's Blend Coffee. Uh, We're very happy to have a partnership with them. Uh, If you want some of their delicious coffee beans or some of their merch, uh, go to the website and use code ABF and get 10% uh, of your order will be donated to the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation. We don't make any money off of it, uh, but it will be donated to the ABF. Uh, We thank them for that and for opening up uh, uh, that opportunity to them. And we thank you for being supporters of the ABF and continuing to support them in their endeavor to educate the world on bow hunting and arrow lethality. Uh, As always, if you like the content, feel free to drop us a quick review on iTunes. It helps us out and we appreciate it a lot. Uh, Also check us out on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Going to be posting some springtime archery and hunting stuff on there now that the weather is warming up and it's a good time to get outside. So thanks again. uh, uh, And without further ado, here is Shane Simpson with Calling All Turkeys. Enjoy. Uh, so you've been, uh, well, I guess before we talk about turkey hunting, how is Callie? Is Callie doing fine? Uh, yeah, she's lounging around the house getting fat. I've noticed, uh, <laughs> I, noticed, I noticed she's gotten some girth on it. And I said something uh, to my girlfriend about it. She's like, she's not getting fat. My daughter came in there. I said, Brooke, does Callie look bigger to you she's like yeah she's getting fatter and i'm like see so, <laughs> so, so did you get back out there and running yeah i think it's just coming with age now she's gonna be yeah. i guess she's gonna be turning four here in a few months yeah 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 man that's uh wait hold on this is the same is this the same daughter and, and we'll get into it. is this the same daughter that won the uh uh or she i think she place or daughter. something in, oh okay <laughs> yeah, okay she, yeah the, the, in the in the hoot owl I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah she's Man. the one that's uh starting a few of my episodes and she got third at uh, grand yeah. nationals in the kids calling contest Man, that's awesome that's awesome yeah. that's gets good stuff Man, if there's if there's a time to get a kid involved in hunting, like the next two months, like my God, like the, the conditions are perfect. You didn't get him out. Nothing there else for, to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Spring is so, a great so, time because the weather's uh, uh, much better than the cold of winter deer hunting. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. So tracking season went went fine for you. I hope we can drag you back on here here in a couple months so you can you can talk about all the all the data you got with Callie. Yeah, it it went pretty good. We weren't quite as successful this year. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of that has to be attributed to um, Minnesota legalizing it. You know, with Wisconsin. Yeah, so uh, this was the first season tracking in Minnesota. And Uh um, a lot of these hunters don't really know, uh, didn't understand the tracking aspect of it with a dog. Sure. So they were making a lot of mistakes and, and calling when not necessary. Where Wisconsin right. hunters seem, even if they don't know about it, the the forums, the Facebook forums and stuff, or groups, mm-hmm. when they look for a tracking dog or say something about their hunt, a lot of the other hunters have knowledge of how tracking uh, is supposed to go, or you know the steps to take, and they'll give right. them the right advice. Where in Minnesota, they just call for any reason. Uh, I think I might have hit him. Uh, <laughs> uh, can, can you bring your dog out? I'm not seeing uh, any blood, but I I, I know yeah. I hit them perfect. Yeah, yeah. perfect. <laughs> and shot. so I pinwheeled Yeah, I, I took a lot of tracks that normally I wouldn't. Um, and number one, I felt bad f- 
for a lot of these hunters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in, uh, I went on a track that was, I don't know, two, two and a half hours away. So I took a track in Southeast Minnesota that I normally wouldn't take just because I kind of felt bad for the guy. He couldn't get a hold of it. Went, there was no trackers around, you know, mm-hmm. his nearest tracker was me and I'm two, two and a half hours away. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. It, it doesn't, I don't think you killed the deer. I said, but you know, he was pleading with me. I was like, I'll give it a shot, you know, and I didn't charge him any, any extra other than the fuel that it cost me. Right. Well, I get a, I got a call on the way down there from another guy. And he's like, man, I'm, I wonder if you could help me find a tracker. I know you're a long ways away, but if you know anyone in the area, I said, where are you at? And he told me, I was like, um, <laughs> I'll be there this evening for another track. He just happened to be about 15 minutes away from where I was going. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so they basically given up finding that deer. And, and I went in there after I did my other track and found his deer and, and he was super pumped. But, uh, yeah, we we didn't have the success rate that we have in the past, but I, like I said, a lot of that was we took tracks that we had sure. a lot of deer show back up later or still alive on trail camera or, yeah. or seen by the hunter. Man, I still feel like you should be able to count that. Like you should be able to deduct that against what ends up being charged against you. <laughs> you know, I have, I keep my stats and there's no official way to, to keep success rate. Right, right. They say if you don't put it on the tailgate, then that's, not really a successful track the way i put it is if i locate the deer and you have an answer that's a successful track yeah you know if i if i track the deer and i and i come to its wound bed and it jumps up and takes off running you know 12 24 hours later i just located a deer for you and gave you an answer that yeah it wasn't dead you you or we see it run off with his leg you know kind of favoring his leg we know it was a a leg injury so like yeah we confirmed it was a leg hit Right. Yeah, you know. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I but in my know stats, what else you can do. Yeah. In my yeah. stats, I I always put a note that we we found we put like a asterisk beside it and say found mm-hmm. still alive or we jumped it. Mm-hmm. And then that's more or less for me to know that Callie was doing her job correctly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's a she's a special dog, man. She's uh she's she's something else uh so for those who haven't picked up on it we're hanging out with shane simpson tonight shane has been on before uh with the cali chronicles he uh he is uh, cali's uh handler and uh he also runs a uh youtube page and a bunch of other stuff uh i, I think do you have a website too yeah I, the website is coloradoturkeys.com that's the only website okay. i have for any of my content Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, you're a turkey hunting fiend. We kind of touched on that last time. Um, uh, what, where did, like, where did your affinity for turkey hunting come from? Where, where did that really kick off for you? Um, I guess basically, you know, my first hunt when I was younger and, and I've, I've mentioned this so many podcasts or many interviews and people that have asked me, you know, I didn't, my dad didn't hunt, uh, I think he hunted when he was a kid, but he liked the squirrels and stuff. They didn't have deer and turkeys around when he was a kid. Right. Um, and my brother, I think he took me once or twice before he went off to boot camp in the army and he was gone for years. And so kind of just, you know, I lived out in the country. There wasn't anything to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I, I couldn't ride to my friend's house on a bike because that was, you know, five or 10 miles away. So me and my brother would, my young um, twin brother, I have a twin brother, by the way, uh, we would go out, you know, behind the house and, and just do whatever kids do. And then hunting, of course, was one of the things that 
we thought, oh, this is fun, you know? Right, and so right. I did my first turkey hunt and we didn't know what we were doing. And, and uh, I ran to this guy. We had public land that butted up to our private. We had like 50 acres. And I uh, ran to him and he was asking us what we were doing because, you know, obviously if you, you come up on two kids and they're just kind of walking around and, and they're not wearing face masks and, you know, they don't look the part. Right. And so we told him, yeah, we're turkey hunting. And uh, he's like, do you know what you're doing? I was like, no, we're just walking around looking for one. You know, had a shotgun in our hand. And he told us, gave us a few tips. And he had a, uh, in his, I don't know, his backpack, whatever, had some mouth calls still in the package. And he gave us uh, one and said, learn to use this and sit down against a tree and be still, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so when we started reading magazine stuff, and then the following year, I killed my first turkey and Man, what a rush that was! I mean, oh, I, yeah. I got to hear I got to hear drumming on my first hunt. You know, I could hear him come through the woods. I had That's no great. idea that was what it was, and mm-hmm. you know, I got to experience it all. And then, you know, two days later, I killed another one, and I was like, "Man, this is the funnest thing in the world." <laughs> it was such an adrenaline rush. Oh, it is, and then, it and is. and it's just gotten it's grown from there. It just gets more addicting each year. I think. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, that's uh, and kind of like what we touched on earlier. I mean, it's th- this is a a really good intro hunt for anyone that is starting to get into hunting. Not necessarily just kids, but also adults. But this is a great hunt for kids as well because springtime is such a beautiful time. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you no, know, typically it's good weather. Uh, you know, and if it's pouring rain, uh, only the hardcore guys are out there anyway. So, uh, yeah. which I've, I, I've killed, I've killed birds in the rain. They're, they're out there trying to eat just like everything else. I guess and, I'm not hardcore because if it's pouring down rain, I'm staying in the house. Yeah. Well, I normally, I normally hunt out of a blind, but I mean, yeah, we, we can talk about that a little bit later, but, uh, yeah. uh, man, I, I, I feel like, especially with all this lockdown stuff that's going on, uh, at least in Missouri and, and, and being on the Kansas border, I'm looking at the weather for the next couple of weeks and it looks like it's going to be paradise when everything starts opening up. So I'm very, very excited. When does um, the season open in Missouri? Uh, Missouri opens in three weeks. Oh, that long. Uh, yeah. Kansas opens on Monday. Uh, and I think Missouri opens the 27th, I believe. Okay. Uh, you don't have I know. to look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 something like that. But uh, Missouri has kind of a later season. I feel like uh, I feel like Missouri is about two weeks too late. Uh, uh, I, I mean, they're they're breeding like the, I, I have pictures from friends of turkeys getting bred right now. Hens getting bred in Kansas. And I feel like. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, Missouri. they start. They start everywhere. I mean, they, they started breeding up here in March or. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen them when there's snow still on the ground in March and and they're standing in the snow breeding. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't know what they do with the eggs because the eggs probably get, you know, where do they lay their nests when there's a foot of snow still on the ground? But yeah, it's a great, I'm sure, it's a great I'm point. sure they lose some, yeah, I'm sure they lose some nests um, when we have those late winter or late, late snows, but yeah, they yeah. pretty much, they're pretty much done by this time or yeah. Most of have you done. have you had a chance to listen to the latest meat eater podcast or do you listen to steve stuff i'd listen to it when there's something interesting and i, I see that michael chamberlain's been on there and i need to go listen to that yeah it, uh, it's the uh the, is he the turkey biologist yes okay yeah so he he came on and he he was talking about uh um the success rate of nests 
and yeah. it is staggering. Like I knew it was low, but it was staggering, staggeringly low. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, uh, that, that gives me, I know Kansas just the other day, uh, went from a two bird to one bird state. You can't, can't shoot two in Kansas right now. You got, you can only shoot one. Well, you can't uh, so, you shoot two in certain zones, or is uh, that only only in zone one and two, which is like the very far western part of the state? Yeah, uh, yeah. Every, everywhere else where most people hunt for their rios, uh, are uh, it's down to one bird, so yeah. kind of stinks, but oh well, it is what it is. At least we can still hunt there. Speaking of, you can't hunt, uh, because your current hunt got canceled. Yeah, um, I was supposed to be in Nebraska on an Indian reservation um, this week, and I was really looking forward to it. And they canceled it several weeks ago, right when this outbreak was starting to get big in the news and stuff. And, right. and I'm like, man, are you? I was so upset. <laughs> I was like, are y'all crazy? I mean, I'm coming there. I'm gonna be in the woods. How am I? And you know, I get it. They're they're worried that some guys are gonna be there in their casinos and or their yeah, restaurants yeah. and this and that. I think about how I hunt. I mean, there's a guy, I saw a guy on Facebook berating uh, traveling turkey hunters because they're spreading disease, and I'm using air quote. Um, but he's looking at the the individual that travels and goes to the restaurants and maybe goes to an outfitter and with other people. He's right. not thinking about people like me, and there's a lot of us that I didn't see a single person on my drive home from Florida all the way up to Minnesota. I, I sleep in my truck. I, the only time I get out is uh, get gas at the pump and I, you know, grab a piece of the, uh, paper towel or I have something with me to grab the pump handle. Right. And, uh, other than that, I mean, my contact with other people is less than these people that Minimal. are staying at home, oh, yeah. you know, and then going to the yeah. Walmart <laughs> or going yeah. wherever. So, Speaking I mean, of your, your hunting partner uh, down in Florida, I can't remember. His name escapes me right now. Doug but he Upright. has... Yes, I believe so. He has a Ziploc hat that I need to know where he got it from. <laughs> I, has want, one of those too. <laughs> I want that hat so bad, so bad. I saw it in one of your videos from last year, and I was like, I need, I need that hat. <laughs> yeah, Ziploc Pro Staff. Yeah, hat. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't um, know if you saw the video with uh, with Brooke from last year in Florida, and 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 uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't make the uh, final episode, but I, I put a little snippet on Facebook or somewhere. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, we're done here and got everything bagged up or we're going to be bagging everything up. And Brooke turns around. We're not bagging up anything. This is not the Ziploc Pro staff. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and what shows up in the mail a few weeks later, Doug sent her uh, a little shirt and a, a hat. This is Ziploc Pro staff. And, and oh, man. She, she came in here wearing it the other day. That's so funny. That's so funny. And I, she's, just she's for, I guess, just for the listeners, I guess, um, it's, it's kind of a, a joke and it's funny, but still take it serious and, and, and don't do it. But, uh, basically it's, uh, kind of like poaching. Um, you, you're out there with your Ziploc bag and you, you shoot, say a hen or something. You just cut mm-hmm. it up in the field and throw the breast meat in there. Don't do that. But it, yeah, it was, it was yeah. a funny little gist. Yeah, I'm, I, I thought I saw the hat and it got me cracking up pretty yeah. good. Uh, yeah. so, so how many, how many States have you hunted and killed a bird in now? Uh, it's not that many. I don't know, 15 or so. No, not that many. That's probably more well, than I mean, 99% of turkey hunters. Well, I mean, when I look at, you know, one day I was plotting them on the, you know, those maps that I've visited 
kind of things. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. clicking yeah, on yeah. the ones that I was clicking on all the ones I've hunted or filmed in, and then all the ones I've killed birds in. And I'm like, and then you look at how much is still gray and not red. I'm like, wow, I haven't, I barely scratched the surface here. Yeah, but well, I mean, I have work to do. That's right. <laughs> my goal, my goal is not to kill a bird in every state. I look at the. Yeah, you know, I have a spreadsheet. And I'm looking at okay, when's this season come in? When's this come in? How can I bounce from one state to the other and still keep hunting with not having to wait two days for the next state to come in? And right. you'll see, and because of that, you'll see me hunting the same states a lot of times. Like I hunted South Carolina multiple mm-hmm. times. I haven't been there in a, in a few years. I went to Mississippi now two years. This is like my fifth trip to Mississippi in the last ten years, and. Mm-hmm. And I go to Florida every year. And so those kind of open early. And then I come up to the Midwest. And I hunt South Dakota, Nebraska, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin. And, and that's kind of that. If you look at it, that's my North and South regions. And then I right. went over to New York once and that sort of thing. So, But I'm not, my goal is to, once the season comes in as early as possible, if I mm-hmm. can start to can make it continue and, and fit my work schedule and my vacation vacation schedule and my money schedule. <laughs> yeah, you're just yeah. trying to maximize your hunting period. The time of field, yeah. My time yeah. of field is all I'm worried about. I don't care where the turkey comes from. The turkey to me killed in Iowa is just as good as one killed in, in say Alabama. Oh. oh, for sure, for sure. Do you uh, do you have your slam? Yeah, I have a couple of them. I I don't have a registered slam. But um, mm-hmm. as far as getting the four main subspecies, I've done that like twice uh, now, okay. I think. There you go. And, I still need a Merriam's and a Osceola, or an, uh, yeah, an Osceola. Yeah, Osceola. Um, yeah, I don't. I didn't even realize I had my first slam until a buddy said something about it. He said, hey, congratulations on your slam. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, didn't this complete your slam, your first slam? I was like, Oh yeah, it did. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, it just so it just so happened that you know because I was bouncing around with my schedule to keep me hunting, and I ended up getting a a Rio that completed it, and then right. um, then I got another one. And the only thing that's keeping me from having more than two is the number of Osceolas I've shot. I've only shot two Osceolas. This, if I did, you see the the, the video I posted today? I don't think so. I don't think so. The, well, the I can't with, keep up with your videos because you post them so damn fast. <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> just, let's just say that I would have had my third slam had I, uh, <laughs> had I been able to, to connect we'll just ah, leave it that. It was a, it's a new yeah. video with Doug Updike. So, um, what are you, what are you using? Are you using a 410 right now? No, no, I have a 410 for my daughter and I've thought about taking it a handful of times, but I always keep going back to my 20 gauge or my 12 gauge. I have a, a 20 gauge that I ran in uh, Mississippi and then part of Florida. And then I went back to my 12 gauge, which has a red dot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't like using a red dot. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like that, but I just don't like on a shotgun. I don't like something that can fail me like a scope with a crosshairs and get bumped off or a red dot sure. where you get bumped off yeah. or yeah. the batteries yeah. go dead. But as I get older, it's harder and harder for me to see. Mm-hmm. Like I was holding up my daughter's gun and it has two beads you line up and they were so blurry. I couldn't even tell if they were, you know, I could see a blur on the target and I'm like, gosh, I need to. And I think that attributes to a, a, some of my misses. And that's why I keep going back to the red dot. And then as I kill birds with my red dot then I'm like, okay, I'll go back to the bead, you know? And then I, there it happens again. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, I was talking to Doug in Florida about that. He's like, yeah, man, I, 
I used to, he uses a red dot. He said, I used to use a bead and, and I had my eye troubles and had to have eye surgery. And he said, I had to go to a red dot. And, and you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I was like, well, I'm yeah. not ashamed of what I use. It's just, I'm looking at the reliability issue. I guess if I get yeah. just a good quality one, then I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the abuse that a red dot takes on a on something like a 12 gauge with turkey loads is significant. So I oh, can, the abuse uh, I give uh, a shotgun going to the woods is, is enough. <laughs> Just... <laughs> what do you what do you have? What do you, what's your what's your main shotgun of choice? All right. So my my 20 gauge is a Mossberg model 500. Uh, it's actually a youth model. And yeah, there you um, go. nice and short and light. Yeah. And it has a factory choke in it now i can't remember the constriction or what it whatever it is and uh and then my 12 gauge is a 535 which i really mm-hmm. like that it's it can chamber a uh three and a half inch shell but i only shoot mm-hmm. three inch shells right and and supposedly with the it being uh set up for three and a half it actually helps you get a better pattern with three inch shells hmm. the over the overbore whatever it is longer longer uh, chamber <clears throat> that would make sense yeah and it has yeah. a, uh, and it, it ejects the shells much easier. You don't, cause I shuck the shells pretty quick. And sometimes I do it so quick that it, the shell doesn't get a chance to get out of there and I'm jamming the next one in. Right. Um, it's a, both of them are pumps. It has a factory choke also. I've never bought a ma- aftermarket choke in my life and I've always gotten pretty good patterns. But now with TSS, which is what I'm using through these, I'm using Apex mm-hmm. um, brand. And I'm using number nine through both of them, except for when I had to hunt a state that doesn't allow a shot that small. Right. Um, but that's that's my two main guns. And I I actually I actually damaged my stock on my <clears throat> excuse me, on my twelve gauge. And when I ordered a new one, I ordered a shorter one so that it would I don't I like it how it's compacted up to me when I'm um when I'm hunting. I don't know. I just it, just feels a little more comfortable to me when it's a little tighter into me. No, I, I feel you. I, uh, I hunted with a, so my very first Turkey shotgun, I might've mentioned this on our first podcast. I can't remember. It was a, uh, it was an Ithaca feather light and, uh, two and two and three quarter inch, uh, shotgun. And, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I, I mean, I started shooting that when I was seven, eight, I guess. And, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, even a two and three quarter on a 12 gauge, you know, that'd, that still stomps you pretty good for being a, you know, an eight year old. Uh, yeah. but and that uh, was the start of Matt's target panic. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> and that's when target panic started. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, we, uh, we took a, an old stock from an SKS and like chopped it down really short, uh, for it yeah. to fit me. And I hunted with that gun up until I was like 16 and but I loved it because it was so like it was a longer barrel, but the stock was so short and I could get it in real nice and tight. And like I, yeah. I just I'd prop it up that this is way before shooting sticks was a big thing. And I just I'd I'd pull that sucker in and I'd I'd be like like so so tight and I'd just prop it up on my knee and yeah, it was a it was a great shotgun. It just had a regular full choke and I, I ran uh super X's out of there for years and never had any issues they were they were great shots uh but yeah uh, tss think, is is a whole whole new ball game for sure it changes yeah everything. i mean it yeah and, and the way i look at it is you know you, you see everyone always posting before tss and they still do it when the ones that don't use tss and some that are using tss you know they they want the the best pattern can hey what's a good shot uh and choke combination for this particular gun you see it everywhere 
Mm-hmm. And you know what I tell people is, you know what? I mean, I was I've always been running factory chokes. I've always just shot the shell, what it looks like at thirty yards, and that, and that right. looks good. Okay. And with TSS, basically, it eliminates the need for you to worry about a, getting a turkey choke. It really you does. Can, you put that through anything, and you're going to have a killing 30-yard pattern no matter what choke you're shooting. My daughter's 4'10". She's shooting a modified barrel, and she got oh. a, a her pattern. I'd, it could kill a turkey easily out to 35 yards with it. Yeah. And, and I try to limit her to less than that, but just... To, that's a that's a modified barrel. I mean, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's incredible with a modified being able to do that out to out to thirty five. Explain r- real quick. Just explain to a listener for somebody who may not be over familiar with the uh, uh, with choke setups and and what TSS is kind of kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah, with uh, well with chokes, you you kind of you know constricts down the shot as it comes out to keep your pattern tight. Um, with TSS, and that's with lead shot. And TSS, you can do that too, but you can also, it really sometimes doesn't like a really tight choke. Mm-hmm. And yep. tungsten is, it's TSS is tungsten shoot, super shot. It's mm-hmm. much, much denser and harder than lead. Very and dense. Bec- yeah, Very. and because of that, uh, you can use a smaller shot size, say like number nine, and still have the, the impact or, or hit as hard as like number five lead or something like that or mm-hmm. number four. I can't remember one of the two, but also because it's smaller, you have a lot smaller surface area to be affected by the wind as it's going down range. It's also harder and it doesn't deform like lead does. And so it stays truer in shape and flies truer for longer. And so you have, you have a pattern that comes out of your gun and stays. It doesn't drift and spread apart as rapidly as lead. And you can fit a lot more pellets in it. I mean, there's one, there was a shell last year I was using, I think it was a blend of eight by tens or something. It had like a thousand mm-hmm. pellets in there. And Holy you look at a, a lead, a lead <laughs> shot shell and it's got a few hundred, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like I just heard like the first three of the 12 penetration factors there. With oh, yeah. uh, with structural integrity, <laughs> with flight, and and as much weight as you can pack into it. <laughs> well, and yeah. I mean that's part of the the stability that comes with TSS is that's right because the shot is denser and has more mass, combined with it having less surface area per pellet, you have less. You're less affected by outside forces. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be more consistent downrange. Period. Yeah. And yeah, it main, maintains the speed, I guess, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and yeah. where this becomes very effective and, 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 is a, and is like what I said is a game changer is this. I mean, traditionally, if you were hunting with a youth that had to shoot something like a 410, 20 yards tops. And yeah, if you're and, lucky. And, and, yeah. <laughs> like right. Yeah. 10 it, or 15. It, yeah. Like you have to be close. And, uh, uh, not that I'm advocating that, you know, uh, kids that are hunting for the first time, take shots at 35, 40 yards, try and get them as close as you can. But anyone that's turkey hunted knows sometimes birds just get hung up a little bit further than what you're, what you've got the decoy set out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Right. And, and this, this really (laughs) opens up the, uh, the ability for these younger hunters to, uh, to have success with, uh, with these birds that get hung up. And that's the, I think that's great. I'm very, very excited for. Yeah. And that, and that goes back to the, 
that goes back to the notion or you see a lot of people is like dead is dead what do you need to use these super expensive shells for but you know dead is dead only if you hit the turkey you know that's right and, oh, yeah. and so when you've got four times as many pellets especially a kid um and you got your gun set up with a nice good pattern and all the holes or the voids are filled with pellet holes you know you know, mm-hmm. you don't have the, you don't have, you know, you you see a pellet, um, a target hit with a less than ideal pattern. Yeah, you might have two or three in the head, but when you shoot a live turkey, you may hit it with two or three pellets. But if you don't hit that little, that little spinal column or the brain, mm-hmm. you may hit something that'll kill it eventually. But if you've got that target just plastered, I, yeah, yeah. Ain't going anywhere. Yeah, so you're it's not a dead. More confident. Yeah, and it's not dead as dead. It's uh, this turkey got hit and yours didn't, or yours got right. wounded. So yeah. it's well, especially uh, for kids, confidence and and seeing success early is key in in my mind. You know, a kid, yeah. I guess, an adult can evaluate a a less than ideal situation and go, okay, yeah. well, I screwed up. You know whatever the case was and yes it sucks but if they're wanting to hunt they're probably gonna you know keep going right Right. and here's the thing go ahead sorry like oh no that that's fine i was just gonna say like a kid on the other hand if their first experience is wounding and losing an animal that's not gonna set a good mindset yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. and and you know, one, their confidence is going to be shot, and then they're probably, you know, in a lot of cases, they're going to go, "Well, I'd rather do something else." Yeah, and like in Brooks' case, you know, she she uh, missed her first turkey, and um, and she didn't believe it. You know, so when we got out, she's like, "Can we go look for it?" And I was like, "I saw it run away, sweetie," and and she's like, "Well, I said, well, let's go look anyway," and then we. I got lucky and I saw another turkey it was in the woods when we went over there to take off running. I said, see, there mm-hmm. it goes right there. And then she was happier. But yeah. the the other thing, this was when she was four years old and she shot a, she shot a 20 gauge and I had some low recoil shells in there for her, you know, and mm-hmm. they still kick a little bit, but she didn't yeah. say anything about it. Right. And then as we got, she got older and she, she shot her first turkey and, and then we would, you know, shoot different things. I had her shoot like, you know, the gun at a target what she wasn't telling me is that recoil she didn't like and yeah. she was being she was being mm-hmm. a big girl about it. she just kept that to herself so we went on a hunt once and i and i got her the 410 because i knew the 410 didn't kick at all and and just because i was using tss and and we had some turkeys come in and she wouldn't shoot them she's like they were jakes and i was like you want to shoot a jake or not she's like no i want to wait for a long beard and, and she's sitting there aiming <laughs> she's at got him. more patience than me <laughs> well well, it come to find out when we got back to camp and, 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 uh, she's, she hadn't shot the 410 yet. She, she mm. shot a 20 gauge. So she she and, didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, uh, I said, I want you to shoot this 410 before we go back out. I just want you to see the pattern on it. And she's like, you shoot it first and show me that it doesn't kick. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll shoot it one handed. So I held it up one hand and shot the target. She's like, wow. So she got it and shot it. And she's like, this thing doesn't kick at all. I was like, I said, why I were you worried about the kick? You know? <laughs> and then uh, I said, is that why you didn't want to shoot those turkeys this morning? She's like, yeah, I didn't want it to kick me. And I was like, why did you say something earlier? Right? She just, she didn't want to yeah. tell daddy that she didn't like the it's kick. Tough. N- yeah. It's tough. And, yeah. And, yeah. You don't want to weigh your parents down. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think part of the reason that, I mean, she still kept on going hunting, even though the, the recoil, but I'm like, uh, man, I wish she had told me sooner because I would have got a 410 sooner. And, and now she's all about turkey hunting. You know, she, she like, when can we go? You know, because now she knows that it's not going to kick her. But I had no idea. I thought she was, you know, shooting birds and she was happy about it. But yeah, that's the, yeah. I guess that's my long story is, is that's the benefit of TSS and now allowing for kids to use 410s. You don't have that recoil that you, you have with. Do you think that TSS is going to ch- uh, cause legislation changes in uh, states that don't allow a shot that small? No, it's already happened. It happened in Minnesota. Okay. okay. Uh, yep. Minnesota, uh, last year, you couldn't use a 410 because of... Uh, really? You couldn't u- wow. Yeah, you you couldn't even use a 410, <laughs> period. And, um, you know, f- uh, federal ammo is based here in, in Minnesota, and, and mm-hmm. they came out, you know, with their TSS loads and... And they were kind of pushing for legislation. So last year when it got legalized for dog tracking, that same bill had legalization for a 410. Um, and and that, that was kind of the reason why Brooke used a 20 gauge to begin with, because she was, she had to use a 20 gauge here in Minnesota. Right. She couldn't right. use a 410. And that was kind of the reason. And then we got the 410, but you know, Wisconsin, she wasn't even old enough to hunt there. They didn't even let you hunt if you were under 10 years old. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, but they changed that. Uh, the, the governor got rid of that. He, they, they've really relaxed a lot of their laws over there. They just stripped them down and said, look, the parents should decide when the kid's ready. Not yeah, Cause that was and what, so they, like, sure. two years ago. Um, yeah, I guess so. Cause she hunted this past spring <clears throat> or last spring in Wisconsin. Yeah. And I was great. I was I was so glad to see that we live right here near the border. So Wisconsin's part of our hunting zone or hunting yeah, range yeah. here. Anyway, no, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So, uh, I, and I kind of touched on it earlier. You you'll hunt something, you'll kill something, or I guess maybe miss something, and yeah. you'll have a <laughs> yeah. you'll have a you'll have a video up like two days later. Like not not sometimes I feel like it's twenty four hours later. Uh, do do you do, do you just like bring the computer with you and you do all the editing in the truck or at like the local McDonald's or something? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say it's two days later. Some of these videos have, are, are close to eight days or, or longer, 10, almost 10 days old. Um, man, I, I feel like you get them turned around quick, quick, quick. Well, I do. I do. Once I get done with my Turkey tour, I guess you'd call it my long trip, mm-hmm. like, like the Florida, Mississippi. And now I'm back home and, and I have another long trip coming up, but when I get back home and I'm, and I'm running out to South Dakota for a few days or, mm-hmm. or Iowa or something, I'm relatively close. Those I can get out quicker because then I'm home at night or on the weekends. Right. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I carry a laptop with me. Um, I try not to carry it in my truck when I'm hunting, mm-hmm. like I'm sure. part on the side of a dirt road. If I can, Depend on where I'm hunting. Sometimes I get a, a motel room, or like in the case of uh, in Mississippi, Mr. Caves allowed me to stay with his at his place, and so I have my laptop set up. And it is an ordeal. I mean, you go out there, you hunt all day, and you're filming. You know, I'm shooting in 1080, not 4K. I'm shooting in 1080, 60 frames a second, and then I've got these two other cameras and a mic, and so I've got all day's worth of footage. Now, I, in the morning after a morning hunt, sometimes if I get a chance to get to my computer. And dump the footage, I'll do that. But, you know, when you come home at night after a whole day of hunting, you got a couple hours just to dump footage. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, it takes a while to copy stuff. And then, 
you know, every chance I'll get if I if I'm not in the woods, like say I'm about to get into the shower or something, I'll go to open up Adobe Premiere and I'll import the files into yeah, just know, let into, it start let, going. Yeah, yeah, let it start rendering out the files and stuff or or processing them. Um. And then it's just, you know, as I pass the computer I, and I have an hour or whatever, or a few minutes, I'll do something else. Like I may import like my my lapel mic runs constantly from the time I get in the truck. I hit record. It records until I'm done hunting. So I have that as my synchronization baseline. So I just drag these. Um, are you taking notes so you can do it yourself? <laughs> no, no. I hear you uh, typing I might, on your keyboard. I, I, might need, I might need to. What kind of you use a wireless lapel? No, I use a uh, field recorder with a, a, a lapel mic plugged into it. Huh. So okay. uh, it's in my. If you watch my videos, it's in my shirt pocket. Uh, oh. I guess it'd be my left shirt pocket. So okay. it it can record like thirty hours. I have a thirty-two gig card in there, and it'll record wow. like thirty something hours. Okay, nice. I need to get one of those. I I really do. Man, that'd be super um, easy too. That'd be really easy. Yeah, yeah, and then you don't have to worry about plugging in something or wireless um, on your. Yeah, I didn't. Even it think does about have that. its. It does have its issue though. Uh, you gotta because I can't monitor the audio from it. Right. And I, I lost some audio on one of the hunts with Doug. The mm-hmm. the problem with it is where it plugs into the side of the field recorder. You know that bending of the cord sometimes after a while will wear it out, and there's a short yeah. in there. Yeah. And yep. and I think I've happen. got one in. Yeah, I, I usually carry an extra one with me. I do have an extra one. Um, mm-hmm. I think the one I was using started shorting out because I had a audio, and all of a sudden that same line of audio, all of a sudden it goes flat lines and it's silent. And I, I was like, ah. oh, it. Damn. But it, it wasn't it wasn't very important footage, and plus yeah. my main camera has a shotgun mic, so I can back up and use it. Sure, sure, that makes sense. So with you hitting so many of these states, uh, and from what I've seen, you're more of a a run and gun kind of guy. You aren't necessarily, I mean, it's hard to set up, you know, unless you have people that are doing all the scouting for you and you know exactly where to set up blinds or where they're roosted or wherever. Uh, it's, it's tough to do that. So what is, what's your preferred method of, of hunting, especially when you're kind of coming in blind to some of these spots? Um, running gun is, is my preferred method uh, for about every hunt if I can, you know, um, (laughs) that's that's basically it i I prefer i prefer uh, getting out and running a gun i mean like in the case with uh the florida hunt i just posted doug had already done some scouting before i got there and um basically we went and hit the same spots in the airboat and and located them so then it was just a matter of just going in and sneaking in there in the dark and getting set up on the birds um but you know if i go to a place blind you know a cyber scout before i get there and i kind of have a starting point of where i want to start sure. and i have a bunch of other areas mississippi i mean i had several locations that i was going to hunt the first two days i hunted i obviously picked the wrong spots because there wasn't much turkey sign it was really thick mm-hmm. but then the the last day that i hunted on the public the third it was my third day of hunting the public i had a couple spots that i wanted to go look at and then I had people, um, friends, it was like, here, you ought to go try this spot. This is where you're hunting. And I'm like, actually, that's one of the spots I have marked on my map, you know? <laughs> there <so>, you go. <laughs> so that makes me even want to go tra- check it out anyway. I I appreciate when people try to help me out, but I try to not go down that road because I want to sure. do it on my own, truly. 
Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in most cases when I'm hunting by myself, but, um, so I went down to the, the, the first spot I had and man, there was tracks and tire tracks and boot tracks everywhere. And I finally got one to gobble. It was so far away. So faint. I wasn't, I, I, if you watched it, it's not in the episode, I don't think, but in my video, I was watching at home when I get him to gobble and I realized I remember that point and I was so hundred percent confident that was a gobble. But as I walked out of there, it was like a, a two mile walk or a mile and a half back to the mm. truck. Oof. And I, and I couldn't get any, I couldn't get any other birds to gobble. The, the more that first gobble was seemed like a dream. And, and I was doubting that it was actually a gobble. Maybe it was something else. And right. And with all the tire tracks and boot tracks, and everything, I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna go to my backup spot. And somebody else suggested that too. And I was like, you know, when you get a spot you pick and you think looks good and then you got other people, of course, it, it makes it seem better. And that was, that was the spot to be. I went in there and there was about six or seven birds gobbling that next morning. And, yeah. and I almost, I almost killed one. Did you see the Mississippi hunt by chance? Did you watch any, any videos? I, I haven't, I haven't seen any of your stuff this year. Uh, oh. I've been, I'm, 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 I feel like I might, my, wait, I might wait, I might wait until you're done, uh, with your, with your spring so that I can, I can binge watch them all. At once. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, whatever floats your boat, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> say, as I watched one of them, I forget which one it was, but it's been pure chaos this last couple of weeks for me. Yeah. I done much. Maybe I'll just hold out until you, uh, you can send me a Ziploc pro staff hat. <laughs> you got to talk to Doug about that. Doug, oh, Doug I'll, likes one of those. Yeah, if you give me Doug's contact info, I'll harass him until he gives me one of those. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, we went. I went into that last spot, and and if you go watch the video, you'll see how that turned out. But that was the that was kind of the bingo spot there. I finally found him, and I knew going into the Mississippi hunt that it was because of the time of the year. Like last year, I went later in the season. It was April. Mm -hmm. um i figured this be an opening weekend that the birds were going to be bunched up a little bit still and that's what it was i mean you could the reason i was finding minimal sign in some of these other spots is because it was just stray birds wandering around and when you find the birds you find the birds it's like a group just like in nebraska when i hunt yeah. out there sometimes it's flock you, of 100 yeah yeah you go you go around all this this the the indian reservation i hunt out there is heavily wooded in one, one part of it you know tens of thousands of acres and you go around and you hoot and you coyote howl and you scout through the woods and you hunt as you scout as you hunt you're like man this this is nebraska where are the turkeys at and then you find the pocket of them yeah and they haven't they haven't split up yet and then you're like yeah. you're in them you're in them every day once you locate them yeah and it's a blast but and there's hundreds of them especially with oh, those yeah. Merriams. they'll they'll yeah. get they get crazy, crazy bunched up, and there'd be there'd yeah. be a couple hundred in a big flock. So, do you uh, in your running gun? Do you do you like to use decoys, or do you just like to try and and do? Because uh, I know you do you do a lot of buddy hunts, and and you'll have like one guy calling and and like in front of you, and kind of how my dad and I always always hunted growing up. But we we ran decoys. It have we have ran decoys basically exclusively my entire life. Do you like to use them? Yeah, I used to, I, I use them in about half my hunts. I'd say mm -hmm. um, I used to use them in in the majority of my hunts, and and I've just gotten to the more, you know. Here's the thing I, I I keep telling people is don't use it as a crutch. Use it in the right situation, like in the like in the woods where it's thick. 
you know, I could have used one in that Mississippi hunt, but I didn't have it with me because where I was hunting was kind of thick. And, and if you got a bird to gobble, you don't want to, you know, put a decoy out or go 20 yards ahead of you and put a decoy out and then go sit down. And by the time they get in the site, they're in gun range anyway. You just want to shoot them. It's right. nice to have when I'm self-filming that gives them a distraction so I can put the camera on them and then move to aim. Right. Um, and if I'm hunting a field or, or openings in the woods, I, I I like, if I know that it's a spot like in Florida, uh, Mississippi, had I known when I got into that bottom how open it was, I would have had my decoy with me. But because I was hunting that thick stuff, I didn't carry it. Mm-hmm. I just figured I would plop down somewhere. Um, so use it, I, I use it kind of when I know what I'm getting into. Um, right, right. And, um, and that's kind of my, my thing. And, and like when I, when I start hunting, I haven't used it much this year so far, mm-hmm. but when I, when like in Tennessee, I'm going to Tennessee because of those big hills and stuff and, and Turkey's probably going to pop into view at any moment. I, I may have it with me, whether I put it out in front of me to, will be determined by, you know, what the terrain features. That's the biggest thing. Sure. Terrain. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm hunting out in South Dakota, I'll have it with me. You know, it's big open stuff out there and, and I'm going to be bow hunting in South Dakota. So, you know, I'm definitely going to have a uh, decoy to distract them. And, and yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I, I feel like that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I feel like the, uh, the, there's a bit of a break between hunting with a shotgun and hunting with a, a bow is, you know, the, the, the tough part, uh, getting birds in it, it it can be difficult it's not the most difficult thing but the hardest oh, thing for for archery them. yeah yeah the hardest thing for archery is getting to draw and and not yeah, spooking without spooking them. them yeah and those decoys yeah, and really, really calm them down yeah and that goes back to you talking about the uh i guess how i hunt i don't use a blind i try not to that's just sure to me just another piece of gear a big bulky piece of gear that i don't want yeah. to carry it's big yeah, and yeah. And for filming, the audio was horrible out of a blind, oh, and you yeah. can't, and your visibility, you can't see anything. It's, and sometimes it's hard to tell where a gobble came from. And so mm-hmm. I, I prefer being outside in the in the breeze and the warm air and hearing the Tweety Birds, being able to hear it all and capture that on video. Could you imagine me running one of my my three sixty camera I'm running this year? You're gonna see three hundred sixty degrees of black. Oh, uh, blind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, and the decoy really helps when you're using archer equipment to, without a blind, to try and draw on the bird. And and here's the thing: a lot of people, like I said, decoys are great, but use them in the proper manner, just like with any tool. I mean, just like a, a call, sure. you wouldn't a bird standing at 20 yards in front of you behind some brush, you need to move. You wouldn't cut at it and cackle and 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 just yelp real loudly at it. You would do. A different call, maybe yeah, just nice. really soft under soft, the breath. Yep. Yeah, a little soft purr. So I mean, that's a strategy that you would do, or or uh, the right call in the right time, right place. Right. And the same thing with decoy. A lot of people get out there and they they have the in their mindset they have to put a decoy. They have to put a decoy. Use it yeah. as a hunting tool and use it when it's when the right time. Yeah, for when it's it. appropriate. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, what that makes speech- a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of tools, what are, what do you think are some, like if somebody is wanting to get into turkey hunting this season, whether it be for shotgun or for archery, uh, what do you think are some of the most essential like tools or items that you think they, that they should have? Well, if they're get, just getting started, okay, I was, uh, let me think this through. If I was first time hunter, knowing what I know now, and I wanted just to, to not spend a whole lot of money, 
go to Walmart and get you some Mossy Oak camo. I'm going to say Mossy Oak because I like, I like Obsession. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think Mossy Oak Obsession is probably, it's probably the most accurate stuff for at least where I hunt. Uh, and, but man, yeah, you don't have to, I love, you don't, I, you don't have seems, to be like me and go spend, you know, a, a thousand bucks on Sitka to hunt turkey by, by yeah, any you, means. <laughs> exactly. You could, uh, you could do like the, the guys from the hunting public, you know, do, do your own Walmart challenge, but turkey hunt. Yep. Yeah. Go to Walmart and grab you some Mossy Oak camo or whatever camo you like they have on the shelf. Yep. Um, get you a, a Maverick Mossberg shotgun for like $88 or, or less than a hundred bucks or whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's not very much. Yeah, they're, they're, bucks. Cheap. They're, they're cheap. Yeah. Spray paint it. That's what I did with my, my first gun was a Maverick model 88 and I spray painted it uh, with some, just some olive drab and some tan face, uh, spray paint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get you a, a pot call is what I would use, um, you know, and, and try to learn a mouth call. I mean, that's basically the only thing you need, you know, you can use a face mask or like I've been doing lately is using face paint because I'm just fed up with face masks. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. It's tough for, tough for archery too. I know I see some guys trying to shoot with face masks on. I can't do it. I have to have paint. Yeah. So, I mean, I bet, I bet for how much would you have to spend about 200 bucks? You 200 know, bucks, less. I think you, you get into it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you can, buy, should, you can buy a, you can buy a three. If you really want decoys, you can pick up a, three pack of decoys from Walmart for 25 bucks. They're not, yeah. they're, they're not or, much. Yeah. Or, or go without, I mean, one of the, one of the two, yeah. and yeah. even the ones I use, they're only like 45 bucks. I think if you, if yeah. you, I mean, they're not terribly expensive and they are pretty realistic, but I mean, if you don't want to go that route, yeah, like you said, you can get some cheap ones or you can go without. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you could, you could go start out turkey hunting relatively cheap. Now, if you wanted to go full board and you get a ground line and, and get your nice camo and, and a real expensive semi-auto shotgun, but you don't need all that. It's that stuff that you, you want to make your life easier or, or harder or whatever you want to do later on. Right. But if you're just worried about cost and getting into it, it doesn't cost a whole lot to get started. I mean, you don't even, yep. you don't even really need camo if you if you if you get down to it if you yeah. set up right and the you bird pops still. over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would I mean, use I would use some uh, earth tone colors though. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. use sol- if you were use solids, use browns and greens and grays. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, I mean, once you have the basic, you know, just some woodland colors and you have your yeah. weapon of choice. I mean, you need to locate birds. Yeah, my first camo was uh, uh, was the military woodland camo stuff. Yeah, woodland. Yeah, mm-hmm. just just get some from the military surplus store. You know, they were cheap and and it and it worked. I mean, I mean, if you if a lot of people get into uh, get you know you you see it and hear it often that that it's getting so expensive. It's only expensive if you want it to be. Right. I mean, yeah. if you get down I to the bare bones about it. I mean, we were in Walmart in uh it was alabama and i was going looking at the guns back there and i'm like because i was already thinking about this maybe doing some you got it <laughs> okay um i heard that i don't know if you realized it i didn't i didn't hear anything what was that oh it was like a, a speaker of me talking just yeah got it, was, loud. it was a little echo Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, it might have been me when I pulled my my headset away to scratch my ear. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, what I was saying is like I was th- already thinking about that in Alabama, like this. Uh, you know, I should do like a little Walmart type challenge, like the hunting public did for they did it for deer with a bow. Right. Um, maybe I should do one for turkey hunting for my own channel and see how cheap can I do it. 
you know, go in there with not worry about what I already possess. Right. Go in there and buy the stuff, tools net that I think are necessary to to get it done. Obviously, I'm going to be using a mouth call, but um, I would probably buy for the purpose of that video. I'd buy a boss call or a pod call to to mm-hmm. yelp on and see how it turned out. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know I how think- my sponsors would like that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they I'm sure they would encourage. I mean that. Yeah, they they seem to support yeah. me very well. Well, so. well, and that that's the thing. I mean, you know, guys that are passionate about turkey hunting, they're those are the guys who are going to be seeking out, you know, custom custom calls and custom you know custom box calls or slate calls or a pot call, whatever you want to call it, or a, or you know custom read calls or whatever. Like it's it's going to be the hardcore guys that are looking for stuff like that. Uh, but but I think I mean I think your sponsors would be the first people to say like yeah if you've never done it before. Like, like just go, go buy something cheap, go buy a, a $15 Primos box call and, and, and learn on that. And then, and, but that's when you start to buy equipment like that is when you start to learn what you, what you like and don't like. So for example, and something I, I'd kind of preface this to you, I, I have tried, I, I've turkey hunted for pushing 20 years, over 20 years, probably over 20 years now. And, and I have tried every year every year to get better on a read call and i cannot do it i can't do it <laughs> i have i have watched videos i have listened to dvds and cds uh or i guess i've watched dvds uh i've listened to countless cds on like how to do it and i just absolutely cannot do it have you met anyone like me that has spent like the better part of a decade trying to master something and and then like one day it just clicked or am i just doomed um, no, I was, I, I was kind of in your boat. My calling was basically the same from when I started out. And I guess, I guess because that guy introduced me to a mouth call at an early age, he gave me one. I probably would have started off with a boss call or something if I had bought my first call mm-hmm. on my own. But I was always a little bit better than my friends, not by much, but I, I kind of had a slightly better tone, but it stayed like that for many, many years. It wasn't until I got into competition calling that I really started working on the correct things, you know, and, right. and you can, because every year someone says, yeah, practice your call and don't wait the, you know, a week or two before your, the season begins. And, but no one does anything but that, you know, that's the same way right. I was to about two or three weeks before the season. I was getting excited about it. And I'm saying about turkey season, I'm like, yeah, let me work on my mouth calling. And basically, I'd put it in my mouth and practice the same thing I was doing before. You know, you don't know what to practice if you don't have the music in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, so, yeah. Exactly. So by going into competition calling, I had, you know, the music in front of me. I had to I had to get the music to practice with. And that was listening to real hands um, and trying to figure out what I was doing wrong. And, and you'll notice if you go back and watch some of my well, I don't have them online, but if you could go back and watch some uh, videos from 2008, 2009, 2009 is when I started competition call. In 2010, 11, you start noticing a change. And then 2013, you really notice a big change. By 15, you've, you've, it is night and day how much I've progressed in that six years. Hmm. And and now, you know, it took years. I mean, you're looking at 10, 10 years of, or 11 years now since I started competition call and it has drastically improved. Am I the best out there? No, I've still got room for improvement. But 
the competition side of it forced me to practice and practice in the correct way. I mean, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, see. I don't I, think I, you're doomed. I think as long as you just stick to your same process, you're doomed. But yeah. if you, <laughs> if, if you want to get better, I think, I don't know a single competition caller that I've met that sucked as bad as I did. That still sucks as bad as they did when they started, you know, they yeah. all got better. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. That's kind of where I've I've gone with my with my archery game. Is I'm fo- as well. I before before COVID nineteen happened, I had fully planned on shooting as many competitions this spring and summer as I could. And I guess when things open up, I still do plan on doing that. But uh, uh, you know, I I know I'm not the best shot in the world, but I I said I am I am going to go to tournaments. I'm going to compete, and because I don't want to completely embarrass myself, I'm going to have to practice. And then the year 2020 just got canceled. So, uh, you know, it, Pretty much. It, it, yeah. yeah, it is what it is, but yeah, I think that is the right, the right state of mind. And, and it's something I just, I think I need to, I need to find the right read call, I think as part of it, because like I'll, I'll be harping on it for a second or for a couple of seconds. I'm like, Oh, this sounds good. And then just something comes out where I'm like, that will scare off everything in the County. (laughs) If I call with that, I I feel like I can call better with my mouth than I can a recall. Uh, I just can't get the volume out of my mouth that I I need for uh, if, if I've got one, you know, across a field Mm. that's 200 yards. Like I can't, I can't get, I can't get that. But, uh, but if they're close, I'll I'll just, I'll just use my mouth and and be all quiet about it. And they'll, they'll, they'll come in if I need them. Uh, so uh, will you, uh, uh, when you hunt, are you a guy that like that? I've, I've heard a bunch of old timers that that'll be like, Oh, you guys can go in early. I'll, I'll waltz in at 10 o'clock and kill my bird bird. Then I have always been the guy that comes in when it's pitch black to do a shot gobble or locate call and get set up like at the base of the tree that I think they're out of and, and, and just try and get as close as possible. So when they fly down, it was, you know, the, the second they hit the ground, it was boom and, and it was over. But, uh, uh, I, a lot of guys seem to have better success, uh, either in the afternoons or in the evenings. Are you, are you a guy that that's like that? Or are you more of a morning guy? Um, well, I'm more of an all day guy. <laughs> I've had, I've had more, much more success, uh, the first half of the day as opposed to the last afternoon. Sure. But with that said, I've had a lot of success in the morning due to my afternoon hunting, hearing birds go to roost or hmm. getting a gobble on the roost. When you know, and, and the video I just posted today is prime example. We got those birds to gobble right at dark. I dropped a and I, I use Onyx, and so if you if you've ever used it, you a worth, can a worthwhile investment. Okay, oh, yeah. you can you you can point your phone in the direction of where you're hearing the goblin, and it'll you know it puts out like a little you know you got to tap a button to get that feature, and so now the map is orientated exactly where you need it to point, huh. and then you just and then you just gauge the distance. I'm like, okay, he sounds like he's about 150 200 yards away. So in that dead line that I'm pointing my phone, I, I drop a pin there. Yep. The Florida the Florida hunt and 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 some other hunts, I was almost dead on where the location of that bird was, within fifty yards or less. That's awesome. Um and so we snuck in there the next morning and, and my goal was to get about a hundred yards from the birds. And then as it got light, if we needed to move forward, I wanted to try and get video of them up on the limb. 
Yeah. Well, as we're as we're walking in there, my buddy Doug stepping on every tree limb in the woods, and he kept <laughs> <laughs> he kept turning on his flashlight because he couldn't see. I can't see. I'm like, dude, you you just got to walk in the dark real slow. But I understand. And in, in those cypress swamps, there's it's full of cypress knees. Right. And you trip you trip over one, and then you land chest first on top of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ain't that ain't no fun. It's oh, actually pretty dangerous. And yeah. so, anyway, we uh we were about 150 yards from where I thought they were looking at my phone, and all of a sudden, hens started busting out of the trees, and and I'm like, we can't go any further. And we, so we just sat down where we're at. And when they gobbled that morning, they were about 150 yards from us, exactly where I thought they were going to be. And and we had a couple of hens still in the tree in front of us, and. Luckily, they were in the mood, and I got them down and called the whole bunch into me. And the hens mm-hmm. were still up above us, sitting there preening them feathers and stuff as we're killing gobblers um, or trying to. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. And so, but anyway, I got off track there. But basically, uh, yeah, I prefer mornings. And, you know, like you said, the old timers like to go in, or some of them like to go in mid morning. You know, if I'm already in there at daybreak, I'm there at mid morning also. And, yeah, yeah. And depending on where I'm at, you know, sometimes I'll hunt till like nine or 10, 11, come in and get some something to eat, take a break, dump some footage, charge some batteries. And then I'm back out there at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. There have been times, there have been times that I just stay out there all day long. And, and that makes for a very long day, especially late season. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Missouri's only open until 1 p.m., uh, which I, I'm i kind of annoyed that's, by. That's just hunting time. That's just hunting time. You can still go out there in the afternoon and roast birds. You're right, you're right. But what what normally happens is I'll hunt in the morning, and then uh, on my way back, I'll hunt mushrooms, because mushroom hunting is, is huge in Missouri. I don't know what it's yeah, like. You gotta have, work, you, but... Yeah, you got to have – yeah, it's uh, – I promise you it's bigger up here than anywhere in the country <laughs> is it is, is it oh they're paying like a hundred dollars a pound for them when and when they're uh yeah all right well it is maybe it's, it's crazy maybe i yeah. need to take a trip up there with some of the well, stuff you, we you got to get them you got to get them like right now they're like a hundred dollars a pound in april because we don't have uh, them up here right now right, so if you right. find them in missouri or somewhere down south in april and you can get them up here. That's what they they sell for. And there's a lot of people around here when I'm hunting the public. They have these, you know, those big decoy bags, uh, kind of mesh bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You'll see them coming out of the woods with a bag full of morels like that over oh, their back. My goodness. Oh my. And they're goodness. headed to the. They're headed to these guys. That's what they do in the spring. And they head to these restaurants and and sell them to the restaurants. And it's that like is, big business. That is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so all, Matt, all, you just all, need all. to find the mushrooms and get them up come to me, and then we can divvy up the profits for a hunting fund. That, well, just, just drive yeah. them up here, just drive them up here and sell them and turkey hunt while you're here, and it paid for your turkey trip. Yeah. Hey, that yeah. that works for me. I'm all I'm all about this plan. If, as long as it let me go up there right now. I mean, all these states <laughs> on lockdown, crazy right now. Uh, yeah. but, but yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll hunt in the morning and I'll mushroom hunt like on the way back in the afternoon and then the evening I'll go crappie fishing, even though I don't really like to eat fish, but I'll give, I, I like to fish, especially crappie because it's literally just like right there on the dock because mm-hmm. my, my farm is right and it's on the, 
uh, Lake of the Ozarks. And so we, we, it's a 10 minute drive to, to be on the lake. And we've got a couple people that'll let us hunt, uh, fish off the rock. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a, that's the spring trifecta to me is the, the crappie well, and, like a fun and day. turkey. <laughs> oh, it yeah. is. It's, it's a great day. And then by the time I get done with that, I don't want to go roost birds. I'm, I'm tired. So, but yeah, you're right. I, I probably, I can, I could probably do a better job getting, you know, getting if, you, birds if, in the you, evening. if you went out there and roosted birds in the evening and were successful at roosting them, you have a much, much higher success killing one right off the roost in the morning, and then you can go fish the rest of the day. Yeah, you're not what, wrong. You're not wrong. Do you do you have any specific tactics for, for trying to roost birds that, that works good for you? Um, No, I just, I, my, I guess my biggest tactic is to go out there and hunt in the afternoon and hopefully locate them. But here's the thing. If you just sit, like, on a ridge somewhere quietly mm-hmm. where you can hear quite a ways, Mm-hmm. You can hear them flying up. Even if they oh, don't yeah. gobble, you'll hear the wing beats. Oh, yes, yeah. you will. <laughs> it's very loud. And, I mean, yeah. And so then even if you can't get them to gobble, just assume there might be a gobbler in the area and just drop a pin on Onyx again where you heard the wing beats yeah. and then head head there in the morning. Um, you know, it's – but there's a lot of people that are not committed to roosting. And my buddy, Doug, I'll, I'll bring him up again. I'll throw him under the bus here. Like last year we were <laughs> – we were we went out for an afternoon hunt and, and you got to be committed to hunting those long days like that and we went out to where we thought we might kill some birds and we didn't hear or see anything all afternoon we sat there for like two or three hours and uh i was like he's like man come on let's go we're not gonna see anything and the sun was about to set i was like nah man we need to sit here till dark man well, there's nothing around here we're not gonna hear or see anything. i was like just sit here till dark well we might hear him fly up or we get one to gobble Mm-hmm. He's all right. So he sat there for, I don't know, 15 more minutes later and the sun had just dropped below the trees and depending on where you're at in the country, depending on if it's wooded terrain or open terrain, like in the Midwest places, the birds typically go to roost from about sunset to about 15 minutes after sunset, sometimes a little bit later at open terrain. But, you know, if you can hunt that sunset to, to dark or like 15, 20 minutes after sunset, if you haven't heard anything, you're likely not going to hear anything fly up. Right. But anyway, so he sat there another 10 or 15 minutes and then the sun didn't drop below the trees, but there's still light out. And he's like, come on, man, let's go. And I was like, and you know, he is his, his location. And I was like, all right, let's go. I mean, if you insist. And before I could stand up, he started to stand up from the tree and he looked over his shoulder and he, and he squatted right back down. And he said, don't move here. They come. And I'm like, what? He said, yes, a whole pile of turkeys. And they walked in, they walked in front of a single file, like at 35 yards. And it was like 20 or 30 of them, just single oh, file. And they goodness. were, they were coming from wherever they were eating. And they, you know, turkeys do that. They'll just eat. And all of a sudden they'll get, okay, lead hen says it's time to go to roost. She yep. starts walking. They all follow. And they, they flew, they walked in front of us. And then they, they, I could hear them flying up about a hundred yards away, the whole flock. Ugh. And then, uh, the next morning we get in there uh, as tight as we could and they flew down lots of goblin lots we didn't hear any goblin the evening before but it was lots of goblin and they skirted us and mm. then they drifted away anyway we got done hunting we we walked back out in this little sandy area that we walked in there was all their tracks they had walked <laughs> right <laughs> right where we had come in i said yeah we should have just set up right here where we came in at but anyway i mean had had we killed one or not, but we were we were in the ball game. Yeah, yeah, you knew, you knew where we, they were. Yeah, 
Yeah. Had he stood up, you know, a little just a moment later, or had he met, stood up and they saw him and they ran off, then we had no idea where they're at, but um, or or they would have just been much farther away. But that's that's the point I'm making is if you can stay out there in the evening, if you've got the time invested, yeah. then yeah, you know, I'd I'd much prefer knowing where I'm going in the morning than as opposed to looking at a map before I go to bed. I mean, how many of us have done this? You think about the tomorrow morning's hunt, and you think it over and over, and then you get in bed, and you're still looking at your phone, looking at the maps, like, should I go here or should I go there? I mean, that's what I do a lot of times. I, if I don't have birds roosted, I am, I, I stay up half the night trying to figure out where I'm going in the morning. Sure, you know? yeah. right, right, yeah. No, that's uh, uh it, it's always nice to uh, to, and it, man, it just gives you that kind of that that extra, you know, pep in your step to get out there. I, I've had mornings where i've woke up and i'm like oh, i've got i have to work tomorrow i've got so much stuff to do today like i probably shouldn't be turkey hunting but man if i if i knew where they're roosted you i would i'd be up at 4 a.m to try and get out there <laughs> and with, yeah. without without hesitation so yeah well, and I, I, i'm honestly i'm i'm really glad that you brought this up because i'm a very new turkey hunter i have only turkey hunted two years i have zero guidance I've watched some YouTube videos and I go out and squawk with a mouth call like <laughs> and like I I've gotten close both years but I I I've every time I I'm either just like in the wrong spot or they hang up but the the only real guidance I've had is from some old timers that used to frequent one of the shops that I I helped with that you know we're like oh you know if you haven't seen anything by noon like just go and hmm. yeah so I've, I've never really i've never really hunted the afternoon i always i hunt the morning like till say you know 11 o'clock and then i'll go and get other stuff done and when? like i don't know why i never thought of this because like as soon as you mentioned it, it was like oh god how like why did i not think of that Hmm. Well, I mean, I would. You know, turkeys like to lounge in the daytime, also. You know, just like we do. We get tired. They take naps. I've seen it multiple yeah. times, and so all day hunting is not necessarily always a good thing to do. I've had my best. No, success but going is, back out in the afternoon. Oh yeah, to locate. Put, yeah, that, that puts you in the like, ball. That game. makes a ton of sense. You know, now that you say that, like I just I hadn't, I guess, thought of it that way before. Yeah. I mean, that, that puts you in the driver's seat, like I said, and or, or it gives you a starting point in the morning. The closer you can be to that, and I call the, the birds or the gobblers bubble, is 100 yards and, and closer. Whenever you can be inside that bubble, your odds of killing that bird are substantially higher than if you were, you know, outside that bubble, you know, 200 yards away. It's right. just something about when you get inside a certain range of a gobbler or a hen or any turkey and you make a turkey sound and they hear it, they're willing to come that 40, 50, 70, 80 yards to check you out. But if yep. you're 200 yards away, who knows? They may have come that 60 or 70 yards to check you out, but they didn't come the other 140 yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. So if you're in that bubble, it, it really helps. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Shane, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're, I know you're very busy with, uh, with your next, uh, swing. Where are you, where are you heading next? Uh, uh, if, if you can't go to Nebraska right now. 
Um, or I'm gonna just finish editing some stuff. I got two more episodes of Florida to edit. Um, and before this weekend, I head to Tennessee on Sunday, and I'm gonna hunt there in Virginia for the next uh, almost two weeks. I'll be one week in one, and about six, five or six days in the other. There you go. And then I come, and then I come home, and uh, I don't know where I go from there. I had to look at my schedule, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it. I think it's pretty much the Midwest from then on out, like South mm-hmm. Dakota and and Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Iowa. Those there are kind go. of the yeah. Plenty of plenty well, of turkey hunting yet to go. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. So where where can people go and check out your content when you start getting all this stuff posted? Uh, the best place is to go to YouTube and just type in my name, Shane Simpson. Um, and, and, or you can look up calling on turkeys if you're really, uh, interested in turkey hunting. I have a website called on turkeys.com, but my YouTube channel has all my content. There's different playlists. There's the Cali Chronicles that we talked about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. and then there's the calling on turkeys, turkey hunting. And then I have some deer hunting stuff on there, public land, whitetails. It's not as, uh, uh, the library of that is not as, as large as say the Cali Chronicles and the turkey hunting, but. Uh, there's there's some decent content in there to watch if you like watching yeah. archery hunts on public land. Yeah, no, your man, your deer hunting content's great too. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the. Thank you. Uh, did you Thank do you. a couple? You did a couple videos with uh, Garrett Prawl last uh, last year. Yeah, we you? did a yeah, yeah we did a trip right. north North Dakota velvet bucks, and we both got um got one. I self filmed myself, and then once I filled my tag, I jumped in the tree next to him and filmed him kill his, which. Uh, I was amazed how well we did and, and the footage came out great. You know, some of the yeah. best stuff that I've, I've been personally part of, you know, Yeah. and, and uh, we liked it so much. We're, we've already planned to go back again this coming fall. And so we're going to yeah. do that again. And, yeah. um, my Minnesota hunting, I, I tried, I did a bunch of scouting. You can watch the scouting videos on that. I didn't actually get to hunt Minnesota much at all this year. I don't even know. I think I got to hunt Wisconsin, but once or twice and I paid, you know, $200 for a license there, but the tracking got in the way of that. Um, mm. So I, sh- I should point that out Th- this year. I-, I backed off the number of tracks I took this past year. It's this year. I'm going to probably take the same number of tracks, but what I'm backing off from is the episodes I put out for that. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to put up the successful tracks. Um, I just, it gets time consuming to put up, edit every single track I go on when you do that right. many so yeah absolutely so i mean and and then but i'll have the data from the other ones you know available at the end of the tracking season for the ones we didn't yeah. find or or i yeah. may do like an update but anyway long story short there's my content at youtube uh you just look up my name or or calling all turkeys one of the two shane simpson or calling all turkeys Perfect. Well, we'll uh, we'll drag you back on here sometime uh, in the summer so you can talk about your your stats from Cali for this past year, and uh, we can talk a little deer hunting and and then kind of get a recap from you on how your turkey season went. Sounds good. Appreciate cool. you guys having me Wonderful. on. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate coming. your time. <laughs>